This is Ashley, and this is School and Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasionally libations. This week in Mentor Moment, I want to talk about resumes. I know it's the bane of so many people's existence, but resumes are a foundational document to helping you position yourself as a top candidate in the labor market. I know for a lot of you, it's not new year, new you, it's new year, new job. Um, and making sure that your resume is top notch is going to be critical for you um, securing that new role. So in um, this mentoring moment, I'm going to share three things that you should absolutely take off of your resume and three things that you should add. Uh, pause the podcast right here, grab your resume, pull up the PDF file or the uh, Google document and make sure you take these things off and add these three things now. Here we go. So the number one thing that you want to take off of your um, resume right now is your full address. No one needs to know what street you live on, what your apartment number is. Girl, they don't even need city and state. Release that, let it go. You do not need your full address on there. I know for a lot of people who are looking to transition um, from state to state, sometimes they want people to know that they're an outsider because in certain industries that can kind of be seen as a good thing. Or for some people... Um, who are maybe in a smaller community, they want to show that they have some loyalty to the community. So they like to put their address on there to show they're like from there, particularly people who work in nonprofit or community-based work. Uh, so at most, you can certainly put city and state, but we do not want to be giving any and everybody our actual full mailing address um, unless they're dropping off a check. So um, please take that off your resume today. Second thing, pers pers purpose statement. So unless you are an 18-year-old, um, you know, listening to this podcast for whatever reason, I don't know why, um, but unless you are 18, you should not have a purpose statement on your resume. You know, typically, you know, those of you who listen to this podcast are professional women with five plus years of professional working experience, maybe you're um, working in the, in the field full-time and also... Um, also like an entrepreneur or have some type of side hustle, you have demonstrated and specific experience. So you don't have to list at the top of your resume some purpose statement or to explain your purpose. A reader of your resume will understand the purpose of your work if your resume is good. So take the purpose statement off. That's for people who are novice, who have no experience. Um, that doesn't belong on your resume, professional woman with five plus years of experience. And last but not least, this is the bane. This is the bane of my existence. Please take your proficiency in Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, or Excel off of your resume. Girly, it's 2024. Everybody know you can open a Word document. It's, it's okay. Release it. Let it go. It's okay. Let it go. I understand you feel really proud of it. You know, in 1993, your writing typing teacher told you to put it on there and you haven't taken it off, but you can release it give it back to the world. You too old for that. Take that off your resume. Um, now, obviously, if you work in tech and there's some specific software, um, you know, or CRM systems that you use, you can list those on your resume, but you want to do that in line with the job that you learn them or where you use the most. So you want to avoid like a tech stack on your resume that might be good in, um, you know, for like inventory of your skill set, but not on your actual resume. So three things to add. 
you add, you need to add quantification to your resume. A lot of times I see resumes that are like, I did this, I did that, but I have no sense of who you did it for, how many people you did it for, what community, right? So instead of saying, you know, I onboarded, you know, I onboard new staff, you want to say I onboard more than 400 staff each year, right? You really want to quantify um, the things that are on your resume. Um, number two, you want to add the phrase, which resulted in, which um, specifies the outcomes of the work that you do. Too often, I see resumes that are like, um, you know, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, but they're not saying the result of that. So if you onboard new staff members, then you want to talk about, I onboarded 40 new staff members over the last year, um, who have retained at a 90% rate, um, which is 10% higher than um, the average rate for retaining employees year over year, right? It's not enough to say you've done something. You also need to say the outcome of what you've done. And then finally, you want to add any teaching or training experience that you have. Even if your role is not specific to teaching and training, employ employers like to hire people who have some background an experience helping and training and coaching other people. So add that experience you have. So many of you have that experience and I wanna make sure it's shining on those documents. So uh, make sure those are the things you take off your resume make sure those are the things that you add. I'm so excited to see you all have better resumes in 2024. And know that I'm accepting new mentees right now. So if you are looking for a career coach to help you make more money and have more impact in your career in 2024, I'm here to serve you. You can go right to my website at uh, mentor-me.org. That's M-E-N-T-O-R-me.org to schedule a call. So next, I'm so excited to kick off 2024 um, season one with a special guest. Um, uh, and big, and I am a big fan of this, uh, what I like to call Renaissance woman, Marka Evans Callahan. She is a photographer, a mother, a wife, and amazing content creator. Welcome, Marka, to the podcast. Hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. So happy to have you. So um, I like to um, kick off um, conversations with guests by asking them for one piece of unsolicited advice to help other women's school life better. So what piece of unsolicited advice would you like to share with listeners about schooling life a little better? Um, ooh, that's a, okay, let me sit with that. <laughs> um, I think I would say, Imposter syndrome is not real. Mm. Um, no one knows what they're doing. So whatever you do know how to do, trust yourself to know that you're going to do it well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. This, you know, so many people are in like existential crisis, feeling like they don't measure up, feeling like they're not enough, feeling like they don't belong in the room. And, and I think what I hear you saying is like, that feeling is a lie, right? Like that feeling is not grounded in truth. Like release that and do what you know how to do. Like take action in what you know how to do. I love that. Exactly, exactly. I feel like that's something that um, in the last seven years of being a photographer and not having a degree in photography, mm -hmm. this is something that I taught myself. This is something that I struggled for a long time with even calling myself a photographer before I even started taking people's money for it. It was people telling me like, why aren't you, why aren't you 
charging for this and I was like because I'm not a photographer like why do y'all keep trying to put that on me <laughs> and um for a long time I struggled with accepting that sometimes when God calls you to do something very specific that literally has your name on it um there when that's how you know that it was like a blessing because you can't explain why you can't explain why you're so good or you can't explain why it comes so easy to you because it was literally for you to do it and so it took me a very long time to accept that and even some still sometimes I'm like is this really like like you know am I supposed to be doing this but it's like like no one can take away a skill set that I just am naturally good at um mm -hmm. and so yeah that's where I guess my answer to your initial question comes from just like don't think too hard about why you're so good just be good just be good be great and show the world what you can do with with the skills that God gave you yeah that is so beautiful and honestly so personally affirming to me um, I love this idea of like, you don't have to explain why you're good at it, or you don't have to explain like why you don't have a degree in it or like, you know, where your skill set comes from. You don't have to justify, right? You just have to walk in the work, right? Yeah. And I think that what I've seen, particularly as a career coach, is that I coach women who have tens um, of years of experience, degrees, credentials, certifications, you know, all this, this knowledge. And they have so much fear and anxiety about making more money, taking on higher roles, advancing their career. And a big part of my work is that mindset work, that mindset of like, sis, like here are the skills. Here's what an employer is looking for. Like y'all are a match made in heaven, walk in it. Right. And so yeah. I love that that's true for you, even as an entrepreneur. So I want to kind of go down that road a little bit more, you know, because like I said, in the intro, I sort of see you as a Renaissance woman. You're an amazing photographer, a content creator, a blogger, an avid book reader, a mom, a wife. I really want to know like what drives all of these interests, right? Like, can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, my perception of you as a Renaissance woman and how you came into all of those different things? Um, Oh my goodness. I feel like it's just I've I've been on this journey of just like really getting to know the woman that I am. I think cuz I'm 29 now, um my career kind of took off when I was like 20, 21, so I was like a baby adult. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And one of the most pivotal moments for my life that I always tell as the beginning of like my career journey is when I was in college I wanted to be a nurse so mm -hmm. I, my major was nursing and like I told myself all my life like when they asked you when you were in elementary school like what do you want to be when you grow up I was like oh I want to be a nurse like my aunt because my aunt is a nurse and I just know that like I wanted to be a nurse because I saw that she went to work three days a week and she didn't have to put on like high heels and a dress up like that. I just knew very early on I wasn't that type of person. Like like my mom, she would get up early, put on makeup, do her hair and fine heels and like get cute. And I was like, that looks exhausting. Like I just want to throw on some scrubs. Yeah, it was all about lifestyle for you. Like that's what it's like. Was it was less about the job and more about the lifestyle? Yeah. So, but I had convinced myself 
that I like that I really wanted the job. I had yeah. convinced myself, no, I want to be a nurse because I want to take care of people. I want to change people's lives and blah blah blah. <laughs> but like as it wasn't until my junior year in college, I was practically failing all of the nursing classes, all the science classes, like doing horrible. I was like, I'm not getting into that nursing program. Like, I don't know. I don't know. So it wasn't until that moment where I lost my scholarship. I had my school was paid for up until that moment. I had dropped the class. And because I dropped the class and I was under the like minimum credit hours, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I lost the scholarship. So I was like, okay, at this point now, I'm I'm gonna have to take out my first loan. Is this something I really want to do? If I'm gonna now put myself in debt for it what do what is it that I really want to do and at this time I had just started my blog um and I was like just posting about my hair because I've never had a perm so mm. at this time like natural hair was taking off it was becoming like a thing but I I have always been natural I've never had a perm on my head so I would people would always be like oh you have such good hair and mm. I like I kind of like hated it because I'm like, is there's nothing good about my hair. It's just not a perm. Like, yeah. so that's when I started, you know, sharing like how I do my hair, blah, blah, blah. So at this time, my sister, um, she was a basketball player and she's oh. older than me. I'm the youngest. So at this same time, we were like both going through the same thing in life at the same time. So mm -hmm. my sister quit basketball and my whole family was like, <gasps> Like, why why are you quitting basketball? Like, blah, blah. So I called her one night and I was like, how did you know? Like, how did you know to quit? Like, how did you know it wasn't for you anymore? And she was like, she basically just told me, like, I wasn't happy. Like, everything I was doing was for everybody else or because I, I thought it looked good to everybody else. But deep down, like, I didn't like basketball anymore. So I quit. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like the green light for me to stop nursing and changed my major I didn't know what to change it to but at the time but my sister kind of like over like I think it was like over a few days and I'm the type of person once I feel something isn't right I don't know how to like sit on it for weeks or days or <laughs> you're like immediately like I'm going to the advisors tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> So I was looking at, I literally didn't even know what other degrees my school even offered. Cause I was like, I'm gonna be a nurse. So I didn't look at nothing else. So I finally just looked at the list and my sister was like, you know, it sounds like you would like PR or whatever. So that's what I ended up changing my major to. Oh, wow. And that moment, I feel like it was a snowball effect from that day till it's still happening. Like, I feel like from that moment, I decided I wanted to get to know myself and I wanted to do the things or find out what I liked and what I didn't like. Not, I didn't want to attach myself to something just because it looked good on paper. I wanted to make sure I liked what I was doing, whatever that was. So that's what kicked off my career as an influencer, then turned into a photographer, then, so to answer your question, how do I, like, just do all these things, I just do whatever I'm loving, so if mm -hmm. I'm loving reading books, then that's what I'm doing right now, or if I'm, like, wanting to, like, so the, all the pieces of me that everybody sees as, like, 
this thing that I'm trying that like this thing that I'm just like a queen of mastering. It's not <laughs> really that. It's just like I like all these things and that's just who I am. Like I will my husband will be like what you over there reading? Like you always reading something or like I'm always listening to a podcast or like I'm always just a a student of life. Like I'm always just wanting to learn or just when it come to YouTube videos, I like teach myself how to edit it. So I just I just lean into whatever I feel like I'm liking or whatever mm -hmm. I'm interested in at that moment. Yeah. And I think that those intersections are really interesting because I, I think that lots of people like you are multidimensional, but most people online don't show all of those dimensions, right? If they're an influencer, they're sharing links and they're sharing looks. You don't get nothing else, right? Like if they're a photographer, they're, you don't even see them. You see their clients, you see them, maybe you see them with a camera like once every four months, like here I am, but mostly you see their clients, right? And so I think what's What's unique about your platform and how you share your life is that you share those different aspects of your life. Um, and for me as a follower, that's something that um, I'm really drawn to. So speaking of what you share, um, one of the things that I've enjoyed most about following you recently is watching you discover yourself and motherhood through a series of a book books on emotional um, insecurity. Oh, that's my favorite book. Yes. Oh, God, I'm so excited we get to talk about it. So it's a series of books by Lindsay Gibson, I think. Um, so I'm yep. interested to know if you can talk a little bit about what you've been learning from those books. Um, you know, how it's influenced how you parent, maybe even your relationship with your parents. Um, and um, any things that you you any sort of reason or rationale you would recommend other people consider them. Oh my gosh, that is. Number one, like top two and not number two. They ain't they what they say about Beyonce? Um, that book has completely changed my life. It has wow. completely changed my mind. It has completely just changed how I interact with people. Now I feel like I see the world as lit as like kids and then like adults or or little kids trapped in adult bodies. Like wow. everybody is just walking around like a child with traumas that they haven't healed. And so like, I feel like when I interact with people, I can easily sense or feel like their wall of like whatever defense they have up from some, like literally we're all dealing with things that happen to us as kids. Indeed, like indeed. It's like, I know 50, 60 year olds who still are like, well, that one time my mom, I'm like, it's you crazy. 60 years old like how are you talking but about that, I wasn't raised like that yeah so what the book really did for me because okay let me tell you how the book came about so one like I said I'm a, a I'm a student I'm always looking for help I don't know like if, if I can't get it because I'm also what people don't know and I'm sure it's like cliche now to say this but I am truly an introvert mm -hmm. and when I say that I mean like I am very extroverted personality like I'm not shy like if I walk in a room I'll find people to talk to and all that stuff but I grew up lonely I would say mm -hmm. so I'm naturally like just a loner like I like to be in the house I like to think through my things by myself I don't really like to talk about it like I'm that type of person sure. so I most likely won't reach out to a person for help but I will look for a book to okay. help. 
So at this time, earlier 2023, my husband deployed for four months. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time that he's deployed since we, we had our child. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time I've ever been with her by myself, like mm -hmm. primary parent. So um, I was like, okay, like, this is fine. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be good. Like, I like, I put systems together, schedules, <laughs> whatever. What I wasn't prepared for was her big emotions. Mm -hmm. And like, I think people who are not parents just see like, okay, your kid is falling out, kicking and screaming. No, it's more like your kid screamed all night. You go to sleep for like two hours and they woke up screaming again. Mm -hmm. So you're running off of like no sleep. And then you're just trying, all you're trying to do is get from the house to the car and they're like throwing stuff at you flipping food off the table like it's literally if you were to replace the child with an adult and the adult did those things to you you would call the police and call Absolutely. it abuse <laughs> abuse so but as um as most black children who grew up in the 90s I guess I would consider myself 90s I was born in 94 mm -hmm. but like I feel like we it's normal in our culture to hit children mm -hmm. to sure. like whoop them mm -hmm. so that's a, a a strategy that I prefer not to do so but I found myself wanting to whoop her mm -hmm. I was like I don't know what to do like I don't know how to get her to like listen to me or just or just like take like it's like they like when they're throwing a tantrum it's like they're in like a trance and you you want them to just snap out of it right like stand yeah. still be quiet like, just just I'm I'm trying to help you help I'm help me help you like <laughs> but what I so I came across that book and I I had no thought that it would actually impact me as a parent I thought it would just mm you know, he'll like help me like figure out my own relationship with my own sure. mom. Um, so I was reading it and it made me realize that I was struggling with her emotions because I didn't, I never got the opportunity to have those emotions. Mm. So like, she's just, she's pissed off. Like mm -hmm. she's that, like, that's what, that's how you react if you're two and you're pissed. Mm -hmm. But when I was two, it was, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Sure. Like yeah. you wasn't allowed to really cry about anything unless they gave you a reason to cry. Right. So I was like, okay, like I am just a seeing a child express their emotions for the first time. And she's depending on me to teach her how to express these emotions. And then also it put into perspective for me that how I react to these hard moments is just another day for me, but it's a memory for her. Sure. So it's like how I respond could be the trauma that she tells somebody when she's 60 years old. Like <laughs> Mm -hmm. Or it could be a good memory of how I, so like the book truly just changed, like just how I, how I handle my own emotions and to just, it, it helped me slow down a little bit. Like, 
okay, if we can't go to wherever we're trying to go, then we just can't go. Like, you know, it's not like anybody's fault or like I have full control of how this can all get handled. And and it just put into perspective that like kids are human beings. It's not like just because they're a child, how they feel or how they're responding doesn't matter. It does matter. And those in children, how they are, how their personality is, their temperaments, how they handle certain things is how they're going to be as an adult. Like, I feel like people think they have a baby and they can kind of mold them into like <laughs> they're already molded <laughs> that that's what you what you got is what you got that's who they are and so it made me just really it really just put into perspective like this is my daughter let me get to know my daughter mm -hmm. and how, and now I know like okay she not really feeling this like mm -hmm. so let me migrate or let's do something else or let me and then I've also um, we were also at a time where she was learning words. Okay. So it was also hard to get to figure out what it was that was frustrating her. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to pay more attention to her nonverbal cues and be like, oh, like, you're tired. Let's mm -hmm. all just stop all this. Let's all just go take a nap. Like, <laughs> you know, or like, oh, I haven't fed you yet. Maybe you're hungry, like, or something. But yeah, it's it just changes everything. It changes like it even helped me. Okay, so for as a from a mom perspective, that's how it helped me. From a being someone's child perspective, it helped me also um kind of let go of any animosity I had towards my own parents for certain things and look at them as just human uh, as just people who were trying they 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 could only give me the level of emotional intelligence that they had my right. mom had me at 24 she had my sister at 19 they, they I don't care how mature you look or act 19 and 24 you are not emotionally intelligent enough for, for two kids <laughs> so after reading that book it lets it also lets me know that some people are stunted mm. because of because they were never given the opportunity to express their emotions they still like you kind of look at it like a chart so if you were if you at 2 years old were told don't cry what you crying for stop crying you literally have the emotional intelligence of a 2 year old when it comes to crying because you were never allowed to cry. Mm -hmm. And so then you get older and you just repeat that to somebody else. Like, why are you crying? What you crying for? Instead of like mm -hmm. all emotions are good or like no emotion is good or bad. It's just right. emotion. An emotion. Mm -hmm. I could talk about this book for hours, but yes. I mean, it, it's just so, I think what's very affirming to me is not just that you were like read it and were preaching about it, but I could see like, it, I mean, obviously it's Instagram. I mean, I'm only seeing what you showed me, but I felt like I could see it changing the way you talked about your relationships, how you, like what you showed us of how you parent, how you talk to your daughter. Like it wasn't just that you were reading it and intellectually processing it, but I saw it changing your behavior and the way you engage. And that was really exciting. So yeah. um, again, the book, um, at least one of them is called Emotionally Insecure Parents by Lindsay Gibson. I think there's a series, right? Yeah, there's adult children of emotionally immature parents. Okay. Is the first one. And then there's 
um, how to recover from an yes. emotionally immature parent. Okay. Um, and then there's self-care for adult children of emotionally immature parents. And then the newest one is disentangling from emotionally immature people, I think. Mm. But I think all the books were like, even if you had the best parents, mm-hmm. you should read the book because it helps you understand emotionally immature people. Yeah, in general. Seven, I think the book says 65% of the world is emotionally immature. So even if you, your household was good, great, you are like emotionally mature, you were handled perfectly, you still go out into a world of people who were not. So yes. you have to figure out how to interact with those people. And I think I think that book helped me more to do that than yeah. anything. Yeah. I mean, okay. parenting, yes. My relationship with my mom, yes. But overall, it's just like, I could feel when somebody is just emotionally immature and I'm in an interaction with them and I'm like, it's yeah. okay. It's I okay. see what's happening. For I you. See what's happening. <laughs> and and everyone who's listening know that I will link all of those in the show notes so you can um, grab and a Please copy. go read them. And if you have a library card, I'm team library card. Um, <laughs> you can download the Libby app. You probably going to be on the wait list for like 52 weeks. <laughs> everybody wants to read that book. Or you can download Hoopla, which is H-O-O-P-L-A. It's mm-hmm. also a library card app that a lot of people don't use. So I was okay. able to get it fairly quickly on there. Oh, good. So I will link Libby, Hoopla, and links um, to um, Amazon as well in the show notes so that folks can check those out. Definitely read the book. I've seen it be transformative. So I encourage you it to read is, it. It is. It's amazing. <laughs> um. So I wanted to talk, um, we've talked a little bit about your experience as a wife and a mother and a photographer. I or And now I want to talk about your sort of life as a photographer. Um, through what I've learned about you from following you online, it seems like you're real life friends with a lot of your clients. And so I want to learn more about um, how you um, support your relationships uh, with your clients as friends, but also what type of boundaries you set up to maintain um, and grow your business. Ooh. You got you got such good questions. I did my research. <laughs> I see. I love it. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, when I meet most of my clients, all of my actually all, I'll say all, all of my clients have all started out as my client. Um, so I am very good at or I've gotten a lot better. I'm going to say that. But from the start of my business, I um, was very for sure on how I wanted to handle certain things. So like you pay a deposit. um, If you show up late, this is what happens. Like boom, boom, boom. Um, If you, if a particular person tried to bypass those things or tried to be like, overly friendly to bypass those things that was like a big red flag to me because Mm -hmm. it's like okay you want to be my friend cool but you don't you're you're not respecting the boundaries set in my business we if you don't respect that we could not be friends sure so that was kind of like like it's like I get it people want to connect and people want to um get to know everyone but it's like 
for me to call someone a friend, you have to, this is a prerequisite. Like you have to respect my business to be my friend. Like, mm -hmm. so there's no way. So I will say all of the friendships that I have developed within my business didn't start like that. We just, we, after years of working together, we just naturally form a friendship. Um, and I think most of the women that I've naturally formed a friendship with through business, I've also respected their businesses too. So I think we're, we're just both. Um, a lot of the women that have become my friends through business also have very respectable businesses as well. So we all kind of with saying without saying like, I respect you, you respect me, we can have fun. Like, yeah. um, but I also, this is something I'm learning more recently is the, like, I think what people with Instagram, everybody sees everybody as friends. <laughs> and I feel like as I've gotten older, I've learned to be more careful with the word friend sure. because I have really great associates and I think when with entrepreneurship there okay the difference between entrepreneurship and with business like if you worked at a job you have co-workers y'all go y'all do company parties y'all have fun mm -hmm. and then you leave the building and right. you don't really see that person until you come back and mm -hmm. so I feel like when it's with entrepreneurship because you don't see us going in a building coming out going in you just group us all as a group of girlfriends, but mm -hmm. really we're all just coworkers mm -hmm. and we all get along and we all work really well together and we all just respect each other's department. I was yeah. So mm -hmm. I will say what could look like groups of friends to other people could just be great, great associates that work well together. Cause a yeah. lot of times it, what I learned from, I don't know if you listen to, um, or you keep up with Nedra. She's no. the therapist. She oh, yes. Of the boundaries therapist. Yes. 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 I yes. love I'm her. With her work. Yes. So she recently put a definition like if if you mention a person and you're like, oh, yeah, that's my friend from mm -hmm. XY place. Right. That's probably not your friend. It's because you're mm -hmm. tying them to this one place. Right. Right. Oh, that's my they're, friend. From they're gym. your friend in or, that context, but yes. not like overall. Overall. So, yeah. So, like, I have a lot of, quote, unquote, friends in specific places. Sure. But, um, like, there, I also have my close group of real, like, ride or die, regardless of if I'm an entrepreneur or not. Those are my friends. Sure. So, I think um, it just comes with having respect for one another and just aligning myself with people who are who have respect for my business and I have respect for their business. And we're just all looking to have a good time and have fun. I think that's, yeah. that's the joy of entrepreneurship is just having fun and working with really dope people. And like, but that's also sometimes not as easy as it looks. Sure. Um, I think people on the internet, when they see like, two people always working together and it's like oh my gosh they're they're the best of friends and it's like yeah. they look like the best of friends to you yeah. <laughs> but 
but they right. just work really well. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a respect thing overall. And I just knew early on in my business, like there's just certain things that I can't um, allow mm -hmm. because I know what could happen when you allow certain things for too long. It's sure. hard to really back. Yeah. So um, I think just keeping that mindset with all my clients, um, new, old, whoever, keeping that. And then whatever relationship I develop over time is just the, the relationship I develop with that person. Yeah. I really love that perspective of that. Like it, the relationship started as clients. It started with business and because you had good business boundaries and because there was mutual respect, a friendship then blossomed. Right. Yes, um, yes. I think that that's a really beautiful perspective. And I also appreciate this idea that like, you know, while it might look like everyone's just friends, like that's okay that people think that, but it also could just be that like, we're all just great coworkers, right? And we get along and we go to company parties and we, you know, work closely with each other in this building, right? Like it's not a building, but it's like in this space, right? Yeah. But then I go home and I like, don't necessarily think about my coworker talk, you know, I'm not in a group chat with them necessarily, right? And so I do think that that perspective is really helpful um, to disentangle what, you know, people might think in their minds of like, yeah, and groups and things like that. I think that's helpful. Yeah, I was actually on threads. That's like my favorite place lately. Yes. But <laughs> I was on threads like a couple weeks ago and there was a lot of um conversation around Dallas being a hard place to find friends. Mm. And um I kind of chimed in on the conversation because somebody had mentioned yeah, because everywhere I go, it's like everybody has their established circle sure. and, and like I can't fit in with that circle. And I think one of the things that I I feel like is like, a, uh, I don't know if it's my magic or whatever, but <laughs> I told the person in short words, but like long the longer version is like, you have to stop looking at people um, based on the click that you mm. see. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to make friends, Look at each individual, individual person as their person. own person. Because I can say for myself, you might see me in a picture with a group of women over here, but then like next week you can see me in another picture with another group. Right. But but it's because I'm attached to certain people, but mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily a part of the circle that right. they have like or like like. I have a client who um, they like to dress up. They like to glam and like do stuff. And every time they like have a dinner, they're like, Marka, we dressing up. And I'm like, y'all know that is not my thing. <laughs> That's not I, me. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like doing that, but I do it and I have fun with them. But mm -hmm. they know that's not me. Like yeah. they know that's not like. A, like that's not my thing, but yeah. I'm, I love hanging out with them. I love, but I wouldn't consider myself a part of the yeah. crew of the clique. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm just a good time when I'm around. Then I yeah. go where, yeah. you know, but sure. I feel like when you look at people as individual people, you actually have the opportunity to diversify your friends and mm -hmm. kind of create your own circle, but not a like not visibly. Like right. I have, I would say I have like five women that I'm really close with but none of them know each other yeah 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 they're like, close to I'm you close, there's like these circles like Venn diagrams yeah <laughs> <laughs> like they're close they're connected to me but yeah. none of them 
hang out. None of them know each other. None of them call each other. But I talk to all five of them and I'm really close to all five of them. And them are my girls. Like, can't nobody, these are my girls. And it's like, (laughs) my girls don't hang out like my girls. Like, they don't hang out like that. So I feel like when it comes to like finding friends, like, don't look at a group of, like, you see a group of women out or you see a group of women on Instagram. Don't assume like that they're, one band, one sound, and you got to fly <laughs> to be in a circle. Like, right. just look at each girl and be like, "Oh, I would hang out with her." Like you, like you, you're not, you're not obligated to hang out with all the people right. you see in the photo. Like, right. Right. I feel yeah. like that's a lot of pressure. Like, yeah, what, and I think that that's like, really what if I don't vibe with everybody in the photo? Yeah. <laughs> right, and one static photo of one reel doesn't tell you the full personality of everyone in the photo and what they're into and what you might have in common with them. So I really, I think that's such sound advice. Talk about school and life, like this idea of like being intentional not to have group think or like to think of a, a group of people as one singular group, but to think of them as individuals that you could build relationships with um, based on mutual interests and mutual respect. Um, yep. And so two final questions for you. Um, second to last question is what's on the horizon for you um, in 2024? Any goals or public plans you want to share um, with the audience? Um, yeah, I can share. So there's something I haven't really shared. Mm-hmm. Like I've secretly shared, shared it on threads, but I haven't really shared. But um, the last two years in my business, well, one, I just became a mom and I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, But two, I was kind of bored. Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like, you know, I've been taking pictures mostly of influencers and I, re- I really, really love like the content creating space. Yeah. Um, I really love just digital content. I really love um, creating assets to help a brand like reach their target audience. Like I really love all there is to do with that. And so I felt really stagnant in Mm -hmm. my business. I felt really like, okay, where do we go from here? Like, girl, you've been taking these influencer pictures for the (laughs) last seven years. What now? And so I was... um, I was given the opportunity. So one of my really good friends, um, she like a men- she was like a mentor to me, like at the beginning of my career. She reached out to me and was like, Hey, she owns a a beauty brand. Um, and she was like, Hey, we need more pictures. We would love to connect, blah, blah, blah. We go to dinner after con- long conversation. We essentially both kind of came to the agreement of like, I could provide more than just photos to the mm-hmm. to the brand. Um, and so I, for the last three months, I've actually been working as an employee oh, um, wow. for a prestige texture hair brand handling the influencer marketing. So oh, wow. recently ran um, my first campaign. I paid Congratulations. Out- <laughs> I paid out to 10 uh, influencers, but I'm also still running my photography business as well. So um, I've entered a new life of balancing like my business, but also my new career or figuring yeah. out what all this looks like to me. But it's been really exciting. Um, For the last three months, I feel like I 
have been re-energized. Like, I feel like for a long time I was bored and I was like, you know, I don't know. And I, I feel like now I'm on another side of it. Like for a long time, I've been just either the influencer or the photographer. And now I'm on the other side. Um, Now I can create the briefs or, you know, go look for women who look like me to be in the campaigns. Like, so it's just been really fun to have this type of control. And I feel like I'm making more of an impact um, in ways that I feel like I've, I've made impact with my photos, but I've been doing that for so long. It doesn't feel as impactful to me as it used to in the beginning. So yeah, in 2024, um, I even said like, I think I want to work on the brand side. Like uh-huh. I've always said that I still want to keep my business and like, I'm, I'm, I'm always an entrepreneur at heart and I still am an entrepreneur. It's just not full time. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there's just so much more to learn and I don't want to limit myself to just what I know or like the world that I've put myself in. So it's been really fun and exciting. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Like I, I, you know, as a career coach, I love to, you know, I'm always trying to talk women back into industry. I'm like, girl, there's so much to learn over here. Um, <laughs> like you can get a piece of that pie too. So I'm just going <laughs> to hear this personally as a career coach that you got a job. Like that just makes my heart go. Hey, oh, so yeah. I'm and and at first I, I, I actually did struggle with that. Like yeah, a part of me was like, wait, this is exciting. But another part of me was like, feeling like a quitter like yeah, like like an like, imposter right back to yeah that, like, oh, like if you have a job you can't you're not a real entrepreneur yeah right? yeah and I was like no like this is good like this yes. is a good, like why do I feel like this is bad <laughs> like, you can get this bag and this bag like, <laughs> like both of these are available to you <laughs> so yeah it's been really fun and I'm just excited about all the things I can learn all the all the impact I can make on my community. It's just really fun. Wonderful. So Marco, where can my audience learn more about you and your work? Where can they stay connected with you? What's the best way for them uh, to maybe work with you, um, you know, on the photography side or to follow along with your story um, in a public space? So um, to work with me on the photography side, you can go to MaricaEvans.com. M-A-R-R-I-C-A-E-V-A-N-S.com. Um, that is where you can find all my pictures, all the work that I've done. You can inquire. And now I have an amazing assistant on my team um, to help me juggle all the things in my life. Um, so uh, she'll be able to get in contact with you to get in contact with me for any photo shoot inquiries but if you just want to keep up with all things me and uh, what's going on in my life you can follow me on instagram at being marica um and it's just really that like what it is like being me and all the things (laughs) i have going on um this year i'm hoping to enter the podcast space kick back youtube channel this year we'll have will be in December. It'll be 10 years of me starting my YouTube channel, which kind of started mm-hmm. everything. Um, and then I also in December turned 30. So I think it's like a really pivotal year. So yeah, you can find me on Instagram to keep up with all the things that's happening. Yes. Thank you so much for serving as a guest. It's been a pleasure to get to know you even better and to introduce you to my audience. I know they're going to learn so much from you. Oh, 
So next up is TVT. And as you all know, I've talked about this on the podcast um, a couple of times. My husband and I have been re-watching Grey's Anatomy. You know, um, we have a lot of love for Shonda um, on this side of the podcast space. And we've been watching all 19 seasons of Grey's Anatomy over the last like five months. So we finally got to episode 20 of season 19, the most recent episode, and it has been a journey. So I learned um, from Marika that she is also a Grey's fan. So we're going to talk a little bit about the journey of being a Grey's Anatomy watcher and the roller coaster that the show constantly takes us on. So I wanted to just start with the five, right? Everyone knows that, you know, the foundation of Grey's is Grey, Izzy, Alex, Yang, and George. God bless his soul. So when you think about the big five, when it comes to Grey's, um, Marka, like who was your favorite? Who Who is the character that stands out to you most? Out of the five? Um, oh, Yang. Yang? She was my favorite. I feel like she was the only one, well, uh, up until, uh, okay, because what was the bl- the man she was with? So, yeah, she was with the heart surgeon. What was his name? I can't remember. She was with a couple of them. (laughs) But but the main one, the first one, the black guy. Yes, him. I I feel like she was the only one who was like thinking realistically uh, most of the time Mm. Um, until it came to him. She was but love make you do that. So that don't yeah. count. But I feel like in a lot of situations, she'd be like, what are y'all doing? Like, no, we yeah. cannot do this. Or no, like, stop cutting the cord. Or what are right. you doing? Like, right. I she feel was like, voice of reason. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of me. Like, yeah. I'd be like, what are y'all doing? This is stupid. Like, <laughs> I feel like that'll be like, so Yang is probably my favorite. Yeah, for me, it's gray. I just am a gray girl. I feel like she's mostly wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. She's mostly inaccurate, not doing the right thing, not thinking straight. But it comes from talking about emotional intelligence. Her mother was horrible. Her father was a cheater. She has a parasocial relationship. But I feel like she was always like, woe is me. Like, Yes, she was. Like, but girl. she had good reasons too. Her mother was mean. Her father abandoned her. But they her. all had good reasons. <laughs> see you are being very yang right now you're being very you're like none of this makes sense everybody should be accountable everybody needs to check in with their inner child and like get themselves together you're being very yang right now like <laughs> so that is fair but i i like this show like watching these characters like go in and out of each other's lives and like you know seeing into the character development I think nobody does character development like Shonda Rhimes like nobody makes you care about a character more want to follow their journey want to invest in the future of them like nobody does that better and you know I think you know for me one of the one of the most shocking things about Grey's Anatomy is that you think you know a character, you know their storyline, you know what's going to happen. And then they go off and do something absolutely out of character, right? When I think about Izzy and like the brain tumor and she was like in love with a ghost, right? Like that whole storyline. And then Alex, like leaving Joe to like go be with Izzy on some farm and like- Yeah, but I feel like that part, that part, Alex going to be Izzy, that wasn't Shonda. Shonda was gone. She was. Yeah, because Shonda um, left ABC. And I, and like I feel like that the show started to get like, uh, this is not making no sense because mm. she was no longer on in the writing room. 
I feel. Yeah. You know what? That is such a, that's such a, a keen observation, like how the stories shifted and how the character development shifted and like main characters start to die off. Like, DeLuca and McDreamy and McSteamy. And I feel like they, in the show, they died off, but in real life, they just quit. Right. right. Yeah, like they didn't want to work whatever circumstances they were having. But um, yeah, it's like, and it's also sad because I saw Grey's Anatomy as our generation's stories. You know how yes, your grandma? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like Grey's Anatomy was like our general hospital, our, yes. our days of our lives. And I feel like days of our lives had the same actors for like 40 <laughs> years. I'm exactly. like, why are y'all quitting? Stay no, here like, for like three seasons in. Can you not stay for three seasons? Yes, the hospital hasn't had a plane crash and a train run into it, and a firestorm, and a mass shooting. But you can stay in this job. Yeah, stay at this job. We need you at this job. We need you at this job. <laughs> so the end of season 19 ends with Gray moving away. Zola is basically a genius. She's got to go to some special school in Boston. She's leaving Seattle. So I think the pivotal question is for season 20, which is coming out in March, I think, 2024, is will viewers still watch like will people still tune in so I know um Marka you said that you kind of stopped watching after Alex left the show which yeah. I want to say was maybe like 16, 18 17 or 18 yeah, yeah like somewhere around there so do you think you'll return for season no. 20 no you're done yeah no <gasps> I'm <laughs> because what I understand is Gray is still narrating the show she's not going to be on it but she's going to be narrating and I need that I need her voice in my head I need that chaos and then I think the other thing that I really want to see is like, especially in seasons 18, 19, 17, 18, 19, 20, they started to really get into social issues. They were talking about Black Lives Matter. They were talking about having hard conversations with your children about racism. They were talking about um, ableism and fat phobia in just like really refreshing ways. And I love when TV shows bring in pop culture or just like cultural issues. And I think nobody does it better than... Um, what shows do it better? Like, I feel like Grey's Anatomy does it really well. Uh, even though some people say this is like propaganda or a copaganda, but like, I love Law and Order SVU. I think that Law and Order does this, this pop culture plugins really well. And I'd like to see pop culture reflected in that way. Um, so I'll stay tuned in, but I, I respect the people who are like, I'm sunsetting now that the main characters are. Yeah, gone. I do feel like, um, yeah, it's definitely going to lose some viewers because, mm -hmm. I mean, like, I've been watching Grey's Anatomy since I was seven. Yeah. Like, my, I was watching Grey's Anatomy. Why were you watching Grey's Anatomy in the second grade? That's the I don't know. But me and my nanny, that's what I call my grandmother. I call her nanny. My nanny, we would watch Desperate Housewives. And then Grey's Anatomy came on immediately after. <laughs> why was I watching it I don't know but it was our show and <laughs> yeah and I feel like to I feel like the generation now that picked up on Grey's Anatomy on Netflix where they mm -hmm. kind of binged it binged and they it. fell in love with it I feel like those are the people who are attached to the sure. new things but me I've been seeing Grey's since seven years old like right, right, right. you know, I I binge it on Netflix just for nostalgia. Like right, right. it's a I background was, TV show now. You know, I was there. You wasn't shooting with us in the gym, so you wasn't there when they said, "Oh my gosh, 
It's uh, what's his name? The one that died, McDreamy. O'Malley. When he did when he draw 007 in her hand, and then it went to commercial. Or, it me. It hit me. Or when he draw 007 in her hand and it was like tune into the next episode next week. Right, right. Like, so yeah, I'm not I'm I it, I think it's time for me to retire and new viewers to come in yes. and like hype up the new crew of Grey's yes. Anatomy. But yeah, I mean I do think it's you know, a seasoned person knows when it's time for them to step away. You know, just like the surgeon and the operating table, once that hand get a little shaky. Time for you to lay your scalpel down. Yeah. I respect that you, you know, you know it's your it's time for you to sunset. I will still be wobbling into the OR, OR2, which is my favorite. <laughs> I will still be wobbling in, you know, in the gallery trying to see what's going on. But I respect the girlies who are laid to rest. Um, and that wraps up this week's episode of School and Life. Make sure that you tell a friend about the podcast, rate and review review us on Spotify and on um, Apple Podcasts. Marka, thank you so much for being such a willing and fun guest. I'm so excited about all the things that my audience is going to learn from you. And that wraps up this week's episode. School's out, class dismissed.